Good afternoon, everyone. I'll start with a brief prayer. Please stay seated. It's okay, because I know you have all your things in front of you. But let's pause for prayer at Eli's request. O Christ our God, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, you fulfilled the Father's entire plan for salvation. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness. Help us to understand the circumstances of your incarnation and that which led to our salvation for the fulfillment of our own spiritual lives and towards our salvation. For you are holy always, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. So I almost didn't make it today. I was in the ER for uh, very severe shoulder pain, but thank God I'm better. So, uh, so this one, this for those of you that haven't been here, this is a four-part series, and this is the last part. Uh, everything you wanted to know about the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Zealots, but were afraid to ask. <laughs> Or didn't know who to ask. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good point. So, um, as a summary, let me see if I can just get there. Here we go. So, as a summary of our class three and, and the previous classes, we talked about Herod the Great uh, and his life, his temperament, his. Uh, not a very nice person, as we said last time. Uh, but he had great building projects all over Palestine. And of course, the most famous one for us is the temple. And it was 46 years in building. But at the time of Christ, it continued even after Christ was born. Uh, we talked about the Pharisees. We talked about the law and legalism. And we talked about the nature of the law, that it's not like... Uh, Western law that you know you just take somebody to court but the law is the word for law is Torah it means to show the way and the, the law can begin from very basic common sense things uh, like you know when you go to your uh, you're invited to supper don't steal the silverware right most of us understand that except maybe Phil you know but Otherwise, you know, that, that's very basic, but the law gets very deep very quickly. <laughs> so, uh, it, but the, the danger of it is legalism. And we talked about the doctors of the law who, you know, helped interpret the law. Uh, but some of them had very good understanding, actually. And that's true also of the Pharisees, as we'll see. So you mustn't take the general condemnation of Christ that it applied to everybody. There were actually good doctors of the law and good Pharisees to be had. Uh, yeah, but many of them lacked understanding because they may have understood some of the basic things, but they didn't understand the deeper principles of the law. Okay, so are there any questions about what we've done so far? All right, so if not, we'll continue. Uh, so as I said, some of, them, some of the Pharisees were good. Uh, so we see an example of that. For example, the famous one, Nicodemus. Uh, John 3, he was a man of the Pharisees. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. He was actually sincere. Some people said that to Jesus, but weren't very sincere. 
Uh, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Uh, there was a Pharisees that invited Jesus over to their house uh, and, and he actually, Christ accepted and went to their house and sat down for meat. So that was very nice of them. Uh, and uh, But some of them really lacked understanding and we talked about the fence around the law that was being built. So for example, Jesus went through the fields and it came to pass on, in Luke 6 on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and the disciples plucked ears of corn and did eat. You know, they were busy going from village to village so they just grabbed some corn on the Sabbath. Well, they weren't supposed to do that according to this fence around the law. There was only certain things very clearly defined that you could do on the Sabbath. Uh, and... Uh, and certain of the Pharisees said to him, what, what, what you do is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. And I just spoke to somebody here, you know, that legalism can penetrate all over. You know, so some people have even said in the Orthodox Church, if liturgy is going on and somebody's dying from heart attack, well, you can't help him. You have to continue with the liturgy. You know, it's a kind of legalistic principles that we see here. So he said, what you are doing, you, you can't do on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, have you not read so much as this that David did when himself was hungered and they were with him? So this is interesting about Christ. It's very important to note. He didn't simply use his authority. Sometimes he did. But he also reasoned out of the law. He quoted some things that they should have been familiar with. So he, he didn't come out of nowhere and say, you know, you just have to listen to me. He did that on some occasions because he said, look at all these miracles being done. But on most occasions, he actually reasoned something that they should have reasoned out of the law. And David himself uh, took some holy bread because he needed to. He was running away at the time. And he said, look at this example. And, and he, no, God did not condemn him for doing that. So, um, so when Jesus was, was doing that, what was he pointing to? He was pointing to what this thing was. What is the purpose of the law? What is this thing that we call the law? People get bogged down, but what's the point of it? The point of it is to lead you to be more and more like God. And therefore, there are certain things that make sense, but other things that do not. Uh, in Luke 6, it came to pass on another Sabbath that he entered into a synagogue and taught. There was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. So, you know, the Sabbath is holy, and they looked carefully to see if he would do something that he wasn't supposed to do, which is deal with somebody. Normally in the healing process, you know, you might apply medicine, or you might straighten out a bone, and all of this involves some kind of work. And you weren't supposed to do that on the Sabbath day. Uh, but he knew their thoughts, and, and, and he still healed the man. And he taught them, as he said, is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? Well, this is very interesting because the Jews themselves taught that the Sabbath was for good. But they didn't apply these principles having become legalistic at certain points. And so what they would do, for example, if their animal fell into a pit, they would actually pull it out on the Sabbath day. 
So they themselves knew that certain things had to be done even on the Sabbath day. Um, another instance, a Pharisee said, uh, which uh, saw him, said, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known. This is about the case that a woman approaches Christ. She was supposed to be a sinner and was, and was approaching Christ and was touching him. He said, well, if he really knew what kind of a woman this was, he wouldn't allow her to touch him. And, and Jesus said to him, Simon, that's the name of the Pharisee who invited him, I have something to say to you. He said, Master, say on. Well, he said there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when he, they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So notice the reasoning that Christ is doing. This was what you were supposed to do with the law. You were supposed to use your mind. You were supposed to use reasoning. It wasn't simply, oh, God said this, therefore I do it mechanically like a robot. So the whole thing about the law, which every Jew was supposed to participate in, you were supposed to reason and reason properly and put everything together. And we saw this when Jesus was 12 years old, that he went and reasoned with the teachers of the law in the temple. They would have gone back and forth and said, what about this and what about that and what about this other thing? And together you'd come up with a full picture of what the law really meant. As we know, law cannot be written down in all of the detail. You can't write down everything. And so the law gives you little points here and there to give you some kind of guideline as to what you're supposed to do. But you're supposed to use your mind. You're supposed to think and see the Spirit of God. Where is God leading us in, in this? And, and that's what he was pointing out on a continual basis. And, and so Simon said, I suppose that he forgave the one that was forgiven most uh, is the one that loved him the most. Uh, and he said, you have judged truly. You, you've made a good judgment. That's a correct reasoning, Simon. So he said, look at this woman. This woman has sinned a lot and I've forgiven her. She's forgiven. How do you think she's going to feel? She's going to feel very blessed. So you're looking at the wrong aspect, which is that this woman is a sinner. You should be looking at the fact that she's being forgiven, and so she's loving a great deal. So he was illustrating how you were supposed to think about, about the law. He says, uh, when I came in, you didn't even give me a kiss, which was traditional, even between men. Uh, the Russians still do it, as we know. And this woman, since that time I uh, came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet and my head with oil. You didn't even anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet. So she's showing a lot more than you are, Simon. And so you should see, you should be looking at this and learning something from it. Okay. Yes. But he's also pointing out to Simon that he's still the one who owed 50. Yes, that's true. You know, that's a good point. You're still being forgiven. It may not be as much as her, but you're still being forgiven. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a very good point. So, there were always debates going on about the law. And sometimes Christ agreed with certain people, and sometimes he disagreed with certain people. And he was always illustrating what is the correct way 
to follow the law, to see the law, to understand the law. And this is what we call the law of Christ. Christ taught how you should think about the law, how you should be reasoning about it, how you should be seeing, because not everything can be illustrated. We can't have Father Matthew follow you around and say, do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing, you know. And we'd have to replicate Father Matthew. <laughs> Well, first of all, he might follow one person, but we'd have to replicate him for everybody in this room. So, you know, you have to learn after a while, what are the principles behind these, this thing that God, you know, the various thing that God gives us. I'm still trying to work with Phil, but you know, it's taking time. So... <laughs> so, anyway. So there were contentions about the law. For example, there were contentions about the law of divorce. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, does anybody remember what the Old Testament says about divorce? Anybody remember? It was allowed underneath Moses. It was allowed underneath Moses. So it said if you wanted to divorce your wife, you could write her a bill of divorcement. Well, that's what the law says. Pretty clear, right? If Moses said you were allowed to divorce, so that's pretty clear, but could you divorce then? If Moses allowed you, could you divorce for anything? Or it had to be very serious. Okay, so what's very serious? If she committed adultery, yes, maybe you could put away your wife. What if she burnt the toast? Could you divorce her for burning the toast? Well, there was this debate going on, right? About what could you divorce your wife for? Now notice in those days, the women didn't have many rights. Christ changed that as well, in that he illustrated that women were equal in salvation. But at that time, they didn't fully understand that from the law. So, he, so there was two debates. There was a house of Shammai, which was very conservative, and that they said that you can only divorce your wife for a very serious transgression. But the house of Hillel, argued that you could divorce your wife even for trivial offenses, such as burning a meal or a toast. So they said, they asked Jesus, they put him on the spot, who do you agree with Christ? Do you agree with the house of Hillel? So these two houses are not mentioned. We know them out of history. They're not mentioned in the New Testament, but just to give you a little background, this was the debate that was going on. And the Pharisees said to him, tempting him, is it lawful for man to put away his wife for every cause? So they put him right in the center of the debate. Let's see what he's going to say. If he's going to agree with the house of Hillel, some of these other people are going to, the house of Shammai is going to be angry with him. If he's going to agree with the house of Shammai, the house of Hillel is going to be upset at him. And he answered and said to them, so he completely bypassed that whole discussion. Because he challenged, why did Moses say this thing? He was challenging the very assumptions that they were making. Which is, you're just starting from the fact that Moses said this. Right? Moses allowed you to divorce. But let's talk about that point. They hadn't talked about that point. They said, well, Moses allowed us to divorce, so where do we go from here? And he said to them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? So Christ went all the way back to Genesis. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. 
So he's going back to what is the purpose of God? What does God intend? This is always what Christ went back to. What does God intend? This isn't a set of rules and regulations for you to figure out what exactly are the boundaries. You need to understand what is God intending here. Uh, wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. Now God himself married the first couple, Christ said. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. How can you put asunder something that God put together? So I think that really hit them because that's true. God put, put marriage together. So they said to him, ah, but what about Moses? See, Moses was a very, very important because he was the author of the law. So you can't talk against Moses. He said, why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it wasn't so. So Christ gave some insight that they didn't have, which is not everything that Moses gives is actually of the ultimate benefit. They hadn't really wrestled with that point because Moses was so revered. But that's a very critical point because sometimes there are things that are regulated that are relevant for a particular point in time, but they may not be relevant later. Because you have to understand what's the principle of these regulations. People, sometimes people in the Orthodox Church you know, will quote some, some regulation that was created in 250 AD and it may or may not apply. The church as a whole has to go through these things and say, you know, what is, you know, for example, there's a regulation in the church canons that says you can't even have a Jewish doctor. Well, I think many of us have had Jewish doctors, so you're violating the canons. Well, that's not the point. The point was, in the early church, there had to be a very clear separation between Jews and Christians because many of the Christians were saying, you know, we're going over to the Jews and celebrating Passover with them and doing other things. So the church early on had to have a very clear separation. And so those today we have a very clear undisputed separation between Christianity and Judaism so we don't have that kind of thing. So you have to understand what's the purpose of the law and Christ was pointing out that certain things that Moses gave was because of the hardness of people's heart. For example, pe people read the law and they say, what in the world is this? For, uh, if you caught a woman in war, if you fought a war and you caught a woman in war, well you are allowed to marry her but the law said you had to give her a month to, um, to uh, what's the word, to mourn her father and mother because she's a young woman and she was living with her parents and you want to you marry her. Well, people would say today, well, why does the law say that? That's bizarre. Well, guess what? What was the things that they were doing back then? They would just grab a woman and give her, absolutely treat her like a, uh, you know, uh, a commodity. So actually the law was taking them to a higher, higher level, which if you capture a woman in war, you need to give her time to mourn her parents, you need to treat her with respect, you need to treat her like any of your other wives, if you have multiple wives. So when we read the law, we need to realize that, that the law is taking people to higher level. And every time, and Christ came along and said, some of those laws were given because of the hardness of your heart. 
so he said to them, whoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commits adultery. And who marries her, which is put away, does commit adultery. So Christ put a very serious, uh, very serious point about, about the law, about the law of divorce. Um, now, the Sadducees, we talked about the Pharisees. The Sadducees were the ones who ran the temple. And they were kind of the aristocracy. They were generally better off. They weren't more with the people. The Pharisees were more common and went with the people and 